0: We're going to be learning Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchos Gerushin. This is Perak Ches, Halacha Yed Gimel. The Rambam is discussing a case which appears in the Gemara where a man divorced his wife, but on condition that she marries someone else. And the Rambam has a somewhat unusual psaq in that regard and Rabbe Chaim explains it. The Rambam write, a man says to his wife, this is your get on condition that you marry Ploni." so-and-so. Uh, so the halacha is that she cannot marry someone else because it's not a valid get unless she fulfills the condition so she cannot marry some other man if she does go ahead and marry someone else before she marries the plony that her first husband had made the get conditional upon her marrying so the Rambam rules the get is bottle the original get she has to leave her second husband The Havlad Mamzer, any children she had with him are Mamzerim. Get me sheni. And in addition to that, she needs a get from the second husband too. Now, the source for this halacha is in Gitin and Daf Pei The Gemara quotes a brisa that uh, if a husband says, this is your get on condition that you marry so-and-so. So the halacha is, she shouldn't marry. The imnisis, but if she does marry, then she doesn't have to leave. So this is a very unclear brisa. So the Gemara says, what does it mean? And Rav Nachman and Rava discuss this. The Gemara tries a few different options over there. Rav Nachman said that uh, she should not marry the man who, the plony who her husband wanted her to marry and uh, Rava then asks him well it sounds like she shouldn't marry him but she can marry other people and uh, that makes no sense she has to fulfill the condition otherwise the get is bottle so uh, the Gemara says that instead that the Bryson means she shouldn't marry anyone she shouldn't marry the plony or anybody else the is Lolo Tese but uh, if she marries Plony then she doesn't have to leave. But if she marries someone else, then she does have to leave him. Now, Rav Chaim quotes that the many Rishonim and the rivet has this comment here. They hold that since the problem with marrying a different man, not Plony, is that she cannot force her second husband to divorce her so that she can go ahead and marry Plony and fulfill the condition of the get. So that just means that she shouldn't marry someone else. And if she does, then we have to force her to get divorced. But if she marries someone else and then after 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 that, does go ahead and marry Plony. Let's say it just works out that Plony ends up being her third husband. So then that would actually retroactively make the get a kosher get because now she's fulfilled the condition in the get of her first husband and retroactively it would make her a grusha from that point on, and her marriage to the second person would be kosher. So those Rishonin maintain that even if she marries someone else in the meantime as her second husband, not all is lost, she shouldn't have done it, but she could still correct the situation by marrying Plony as her third husband. But the Rambam is very clear that that will not work, that even if she goes and marries Plony as her third husband, still the get is buttel. you cannot retroactively make it kosher and make the second marriage a valid. Valid marriage. So there's different ways in the Mfarshim on the Rambam to understand why he disagrees with this. Uh, The Magid Mishnah, which is not quoted by Reb Chaim, he suggests that the Rambam understands that when a husband makes a condition that his wife is divorced, if she marries Plony, he means as the next marriage. He doesn't mean in the future. He doesn't mean as her third husband, but he means as right away the next marriage has to be to Plony. Either way, Reb Chaim has a different way to explain this. And he understands that the Rambam's issue with this get, the reason the get is botel, and it cannot be activated retroactively is because the Rambam holds that since she married someone else, she is no longer able to fulfill the condition that the first husband had put into the get, that she has to marry Plony. Rabbi Chaim says that it's no longer in la lekaim hatanai. She no longer has the ability to make the tanai and that nullifies the get. And Rab Chaim proves this notion because the Gemara says that the problem with marrying someone else is the lav bididok kaimali igrushe. She is not able to determine if he is going to divorce her, meaning she can't force the second husband to divorce her. Says Rab Chaim, why is the Gemara focusing on the fact that she can't force the second husband who's not Plony to divorce her? There's another problem, a more basic problem. She can't force Plony to marry her. So anyways, this whole tenai, the whole condition of this get, is not in her hands to be able to control whether she's going to do it. Why are we focusing that she can't get divorced from the second husband when a woman also can't force a man to marry her? And rab Chaim raises a second problem too, which is there are some poskim who hold that a tenai may asher, if somebody makes a tenai, a condition which is going to retroactively make this thing take effect. So in that case, she could get married even before she fulfills the Tanai because we can assume that she's going to go ahead and fulfill the Tanai. Says Rab Chaim, the same way that she is not able to force the husband to divorce her and she can't believe that the husband is going to go ahead and divorce her so she can marry Plony, so how does it work the other way? How can a husband marry a woman who has a condition lying on her get, that it's not going to be valid until she does something, how can he believe her that she's going to go ahead and fulfill the tonight The same way she can't believe him that he's going to divorce her so she can fulfill the Tanai, he shouldn't be able to believe her and rely on her that she's going to do the Tanai. So because of these questions, Rabbi Chaim says that we have to reinterpret the line in the Gemara, that she is not able to force a divorce. And he says, The explanation of that line is not that she can't rely on her husband and believe him that he's going to divorce her. Rather, the explanation of that line in the Gemara is that since she did something which no longer allows her to fulfill the Tanai, so that automatically negates the get. it doesn't matter what happens after that, if he does divorce her or not, or if he's believed to divorce her, we could rely that the husband is going to divorce her. But once she does something, which makes it impossible at that moment for her to fulfill the Tanai of the get, the get is already nullified. So, fundamentally, Rav has a rereading of the Gemara's concern over here. It's not a practical concern that maybe she's not going to marry Plony or the second husband won't divorce her so she can marry Plony, but it's a much more fundamental conceptual issue that when a husband makes a tenai and the get is only valid on the condition of the tenai being met, and the wife then goes ahead and does something which makes it impossible to fulfill the tenai, that immediately negates the whole get and the get becomes ineffective no matter what. 네 <목소리도> So based on this conceptual understanding of it, says Rab Chaim, it only applies to the wife herself. If she puts herself in a situation where she cannot fulfill the tenai that the husband made on her for this get to be valid, then it immediately nullifies and negates the whole get, and it's totally ineffective no matter what. But if the husband, her new husband, the second husband, if he's unable to fulfill the tenai, that's not going to affect in any way the validity of this get, because the tenai was not made on the second husband. So that's why if a man wants to marry a woman who has a tenai lingering on the get, and once the tenai is fulfilled, the get is going to be retroactively effective – It's going to take effect then. So a man is allowed to do that because even if he's not able to fulfill the tanai, that doesn't negate a get because the tanai is not on him. And even though the tanai has not been fulfilled yet, so we might have a concern that it's not going to happen, says Rab Chaim, that's not a concern according to the Rambam, because since these two people know that the first get has to be effective, they're going to do whatever it takes in order to make sure that the tanai gets fulfilled. So we don't have a concern practically that they might not do what they need to do in order to make the get effective. So that explains why a man can marry a woman with a t'nai lingering on her. And similarly, the same idea explains why the Gemara is not concerned with the fact that she can't force Plony to marry her, why does that not nullify the get? So the answer is simple, because that itself is the tenai, that if Plony will marry her, so then she'll have fulfilled the tenai, and the get will become effective. But she is not creating a situation where she cannot fulfill the condition of the tenai, so it doesn't bother us that she's not able to force Plony to marry her. So that's why the Gemara's only concern is that if she marries a different man in the meantime, then she is now in a situation where she cannot fulfill the tenai and that would make the get batal. So that's Reb Chaim's explanation for the Rambam's shita that in this case the get is batal and it cannot be fixed retroactively even if she marries ploni after that. Now there is a second problem in this Rambam and that is that the Rambam seems to contradict himself from one word to the next. On the one hand he says that if she has children with someone else, a different second husband, not Plony then the children are mamzerim because that marriage was totally forbidden. But on the other hand, he says that she needs a get from the second husband too. Now, you only should need a get if there was some validity to the marriage. So how could the children be mamzerim? but she requires a get from the second husband? So the Magid Mishnah explains that this get is only midrach banan. Really, on a doraisa level, this marriage is not a good marriage at all, and she shouldn't need a get. But the Rambam has a sheath in Perak Yud that any woman who who gets married, if it even looks like a marriage, then she needs a get, because we don't want people to think that she just left without a get. So in this case too, because she, it looks like she got married, so Midra they said that she requires a get. But Rabhaim Chaim says that according to the idea he just explained in the Rambam, so we could explain this differently, that she does need a get, mida oraisa. This is not a drabanan, but she fundamentally needs a get. And the reason is, says Rabhaim, Chaim, because we have a catch-22. There is no way to get out of this situation here. As Reb Chaim explained, the issue according to the Rambam is that she went ahead and married a second husband, which makes it that she was not able at that time in that circumstances to fulfill the tenai set by the first husband. Now, says Rabbi Chaim, let's think this through. If we say that the second marriage is totally invalid and she doesn't need a get, then at that time she actually was able to marry Plony. So it comes out that she actually didn't nullify the get because she didn't create a situation where she couldn't fulfill the tenai. So therefore, it would be a good marriage because at that moment, she was able to fulfill the tonight. But once it's a good marriage, then again, that would make the get battle because at that moment, she now could not marry Plony. So, again, that would push the marriage back into having been totally invalid. And it just goes on and on. This cycle is going to keep going. No matter what we say, it's going to propel us into the next option. So, therefore, we said that there has to be a get, mida or raisa, it's a get. So, because Rav Chaim understands that the Rambam's problem is not practically that she didn't go ahead and married Plony, but the problem which nullified the get totally, that it can never be fixed, is that she created a situation where she can't marry Plony, so because of that, once we say that the second marriage is butel, then the situation is going to just zigzag back and forth because at that point she technically was able to marry Plony and it's just going to keep going back and forth. So that's why we need a get, mida or raisa. So this fits into the explanation of the Rambam, but says Rabbi Chaim, there's one problem left, which is the Rambam holds that the children from the second marriage are mamzerim. But if it's all because of this catch-22 that the situation just keeps going back and forth and it's an endless cycle, so then we should not consider the children a mamzer vadai, a a for-sure mamzer, but they should be a suffolk mamzer. And a suffolk mamzer is much more lenient than a full mamzer. So why does the Rambam say that these kids are regular mamzerim? and not Suffolk Mamzerim in this case. So Rab Chaim says that even though there's this catch-22 that goes back and forth with regard to the get from the second husband, but with regard to fulfilling the Tanai, it's clear that she cannot in any way fulfill the Tanai. Because if we try to apply the shach to the situation of the children, so then if her marriage to Plony is going to be a good marriage, that means that it must be the second guy's marriage was not effective, otherwise he would have ruined the Tnai of the get and there would have been no get. And if we say the other way that the marriage to Plony is not good because she already married someone else, then that means that the get was made ineffective by her marriage to someone else. So as soon as we say that she needs a get from the second guy because of the catch-22, then that automatically means that there is no way for her to correct this retroactively by marrying Plony. Because uh, either way, the Tanai that the first husband made has now been thrown off, and therefore she cannot fulfill the tenai. So says rab Chaim, even though the back-and-forth catch-22 goes back and forth with regard to whether or not she needs a get from the second husband, the non-ploni who she married, but uh, with regard to whether she can be, be mekhaim the Tanai, we don't go back and forth, she certainly can't do that, and therefore the kids are for sure Zarim, So this explains the strange situation that the Rambam has where she needs a get from the man even though her children with him are mamzerim. It has to do with the unusual circumstances of this T'nai that she can no longer fulfill even though it's not clear whether the marriage to the second person the non-ploni was something which was totally void or not. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation for this unusual P'sak of the Rambam. It does have a conceptual underlying idea where he redefines why marrying someone else other than Plony throws off the whole get, Uh, but then he uh, has an equation to try to figure out how that's going to play out, uh, which gets a little technical. Now the final point Rabbi Chaim makes is that the, the Rambam at the end of this parak in Hilchos at the end of parak Ches. So he's talking about a case of a woman who was divorced, but there was a t'nai in the get, and she remarried, and then the t'nai was not fulfilled. So the Rambam says that ubotel the get is botel it's nullified, but Sricha get arnu. she still requires a get from the second husband as we explained. Now this. This is a get, which is only me draw a on because she got married. And the people would get confused if she left now without any get whatsoever, but there is no validity to that marriage. It's a get midra rabanan the way the Magid Mishnah explained our Rambam in Perek Ches Halacha Yud Gimel. Now, the question is, what does it mean, kimo be arnu, as we explain? So, Rab Chaim says that if the Rambam is referring to the earlier halacha in Perek Ches, which would be a logical inference that a few halachas earlier he explained a similar case, then that would be a clear proof to the Magid Mishnah's reading of this halacha that the Rambam holds that it's only a get midra bonan because of the confusion how it might look to other people. Uh, so that would disprove Rav Chaim's analysis, the way he interpreted this halacha and uh, the idea that this is a get midoraisa, as Rav Chaim said. So Rav Chaim says that uh, this is not conclusive because you could say that uh, the Rambam's intention, he's referring to the halacha and perik yud of Hilchus Gerushin, where he says that uh, anyone who got married with an invalid get still requires a get from the second husband, Midra Banan. So it's possible that the Rambam's reference at the end of Parak ches was actually to that Halacha in Parak Yud, which is clearly that case, it's a get midra banan, uh, because of confusion, but this says, Reb Chaim, it's possible that in our case, the get is mido raisa, because of the more complicated equation that he had explained based on the catch-22 that develops from this situation. So uh, this is Reb Chaim's piece. The uh, key conceptual point is this explanation of why the get is totally buttle. It's unusable even if she later on fixes the situation and marries plony because once she put herself in a situation where she could not fulfill the tenai, so that automatically invalidates the get, and it cannot be effective. And uh, that's how Rebbe Chaim understands the line in the Gemara, that since she doesn't control that the second husband uh, could to force him to be Megarish, her, uh, what it actually means is that once she's married, then she cannot fulfill the Tanai.